welcome back to the Nerd Cut. This is the second episode uh, coming all the way from Sussex in the United Kingdom. And I know what you're thinking. You're, th- you're, th- you're thinking, I've been transported back to the 1980s. So something's gone wrong here, but it's it's actually still a 21st century. Um, it's just the that that sweet intro that's uh, that's making you think that. So this week, it's not we've self-promotion got, in any way. Exactly, we've got something very <laughs> exciting coming up. But before we get to the the main topic of this week, we thought it'd be quite quite fun to just do a very quick roundup of what we've been consuming this week. Just one very quick snippet into our lives so you get an idea of what kind of things we enjoy consuming so i'm going to put johnny straight onto the spot you've got 30 seconds what have you been consuming this week i've only been consuming one thing and that is brooklyn 99 because i'm a very obsessive person and i was always really anti brooklyn 99 and then i thought i'd watch it and i've been hooked it's not even that great but i just can't stop watching it for several reasons which i won't go into now for another time perhaps but um yeah. a great show so yeah it's great to it's a good way to start. Christian, what about you? I have just finished a book trilogy, which I've been making my way through the past month or so, called the Embers of War trilogy. Um, and it goes Embers of War, Fleet of Knives, Light of Impossible Stars by Gareth L. Powell. And while the first two books were pretty enjoyable and good bit of space opera, highly, I would recommend those. I would not recommend the final book, because... Uh. It uh, succumbed to that issue that so many things have recently. Um, I think Johnny would agree when I say the line of duty. Um, where the ending is a serious face plant and, and for that reason I can't probably recommend the whole series. But Another disappointing yeah, trilogy to add to Christian's list. Yes, uh, that's a list of uh, Star Wars and Game of Thrones. And uh. Although I haven't watched Line of Duty, I hear of that. Uh, that was a bit disappointing as well. Very you need to try something a bit easier, like Only Fools and Horses, and then you. Oh, you got Peep Show, exactly. Yeah, a f- and Family Guy and things. Um, so this week I have, what well, I would say, I have two main things. Watched the first episode of The Bad Batch, which was incredible. Absolutely loved it. I was engrossed the entire time, and I've also been reading a rather interesting comic, which I won't spoil. Um, that has tie-ins to the Rise of Skywalker and has some very interesting things going on. Um, if you are interested to know what on earth I'm talking about, maybe have a look up for spoilers from Darth Vader issue 11, um, the newest run. Um, there's some, yeah, some quite peculiar and interesting things happening in the world of Star Wars comics at the moment, so definitely check that out. Um, so yeah, so th- what are we actually, what are we actually doing this week, guys? What what are we what are we chatting about? Do too many heroes spoil the shawarma? Apparently. Indeed. If you've seen the image. So that yeah, was, so that's was, my little contribution to the uh, to the thing. I thought you said that's your contribution to the episode. Yeah, you're going home now, Christian. <laughs> I'm off. See I've made my joke and now I'm having my leave. <laughs> yeah, so we're so we're basically asking whether team up movies are a good thing, and yeah, whether they whether they're beneficial to us as viewers or whether they're an efficient way of storytelling. I guess. Very nice. Do they add anything to the formula of us? Are we just talking superheroes? Are we talking? I suppose there aren't many other examples of it, but um, the Expendables, no, the Expendables, <laughs> the Incredible, is the ultimate mashup. Yeah, so I suppose that that point, Christian, comes on to quite nicely to what we we're going to talk about first, which is just clarifying what we actually mean by a team-up movie. So, are we thinking things like Guardians, Suicide Squad, Avengers? What, what kind of things are we thinking? 
I don't I don't think Guardians of the Galaxy counts because I think it's very much they are very much set as an entity, if that makes sense. They don't really You don't, don't necessarily really... see a Star Lord solo yeah, comic, it, it's Guardians of the Galaxy as a whole. There have been like solo things with them, but it's not they're they are almost a team before they are solo, if that makes sense. I think Suicide Squad's an interesting one because I think originally I would say traditionally you would say they are a team and it's just they don't really exist outside. But particularly with sort of the advent of sort of Harley Quinn's popularity, in some ways they are a bit of a team up. So I think Suicide Squad's a bit of a grey area hmm. um, on that front. But I think I think mainly you're talking sort of Avengers and Justice League and those sort of groups. I think obviously in, in film it's just those groups, but in comics you've got the sort of the offshoots, sort of Dark Avengers, Justice League Dark that type of thing absolutely that would be your area of expertise yeah, I don't that, read the comics so. now we're getting to the real nerdy stuff mm-hmm. so as we're going to be talking about um, I'm imagining there's a, a a slight potential for us to mention the Justice League at some point in this in this episode and um, just a if chance you, just a small just chance. a very small I've chance I've never heard of that film so and about if Justice you, League if you followed along with the episode last week you'll be aware that we've uh We've started a little drinking game for whenever Johnny mentions Mr. Snyder, Zack Snyder, Snack Does Snyder, Mr. Zachary Snyder. Well, it's only when Johnny mentions it. it. So, so I'd I'd advise for this episode that you don't make your drink alcoholic, um, <laughs> because there may be a fair few mentions, but it's. He said he's you. only going to mention him once, so we'll see if he sticks and to in that. In a purely point. illustrative way. So we'll see how well he holds that. I've got my. Uh, <laughs> my low-calorie lemonade at the ready. I think Christian's got something slightly stronger. <laughs> well, so, if, you count, if you count Strombo dark fruits that stronger, it's only 4%. Yeah, I think, I think it's a toss-up really between what's stronger out of those two. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to kick us off with just one more question, then I promise I'll stop asking incessant questions, because it might just get us going. You're the driving force. You you need to keep doing this. I'm the driving force. Okay, I'll just be like the... Um, I'll be like that really rubbish host at the um, presidential elections. Uh which one there's so many no no sorry not the elections the um, the debates they had (laughs) welcome to the elections (laughs) (laughs) the The winner of the United States presidential election 2020 is (laughs) and I've I've turned Geordie Um, or are we talking David Dimbleby from question time that's the question I can be either I can be either (laughs) David Dimbleby or Fiona Bruce get into my question (laughs) Just just to kick us off Mm-hmm. Does it matter if the connections between the characters are formed before or during a movie when it's a team up film? Before or during? So as in if huh? if, if, if they get if they meet if each they other have... and have the connections in films before the main event or do they kind of literally just meet for the first time in for example, as they do in Avengers where they kind of all mm. just meet for the first time? I, I think I think that there you go you go you sure I, yeah. I think it's an interesting point because I think it comes after another question because it follows from the question of no because it follows from the question of do you introduce a character in a team up film ah uh, there we go because one of the problems with Justice League was that which Justice it League it was the theatrical the both versions of the Justice okay. Justice League Just the check. was that they were introducing. Character, new characters that had not been seen 
in solo films before. So with that, you're not just you're not just introducing a link to another character. You are introducing a whole new character, which I think is incredibly difficult to do in a, in a team up film. I think it's far easier to sort of introduce the links in a team up film. But then again, I think also it has to be, it can't be too forced if that makes sense. It can't be just like too sort of manufactured how they all in a room together, if that makes sense. I think it has to sort of flow naturally. I think ideally you'd like a sort of structure where almost it seems to happen naturally. Because I think you're right in the sense that Avengers, if I think back to the first Avengers film, very much the links between them as a group does happen in that film. But there's some sort of path to get them there. It's not, you know, it's not just they just randomly turn up in a room and then we're the Avengers, you know. Yeah, it's definitely staggered in, in the first Avengers and there's, in there's like one, yeah. one meeting uh, and then... Uh, Black Widow kind of comes in and then Bruce Banner comes in and then somehow Cap is there and Thor flies in at some point. In fact, that's the, one of my favourite my favorite lines in any uh, Marvel film is when uh, when Loki's being taken along on a plane in the Avengers and he, they, they hear some lightning outside and Loki looks all scared and Phil Coulson goes, are you scared of lightning, Loki? And uh, Loki goes, I'm just not overly fond of what comes after. <laughs> before Thor flies into the plane so yeah that's my favourite line sorry Johnny carry on no but also the way that the MCU is sort of crafted and all the post credit scenes as well it's so clear that it's a shared universe and it was probably from you know from a couple of films in I think I would say probably from sort of Iron, after Iron Man 2 onwards it became very clear that it was like a shared universe and I, so I think in that sense Again, then it's easier because you know that these characters coexist already in the same universe. So that, again, makes it easier to sort of join the links in one film. Whereas if there's no reference to a sort of shared universe and then suddenly, boom, you're all in a thing together, then yeah. I think it comes from the characters need to be, for the most part, need to have been developed beforehand and the viewers need to, or readers, or whatever the case is, need to have an idea, a sense of how those characters will react in the situation they're about to be put in. So I think a lot of the anticipation of like a um, team-up film like The Avengers is people imagining beforehand how one character will interact with another. I think, I remember before Infinity War came out, how people were going on about... Um, Tony meeting Dot Strange and just anticipating they were, they were butt heads because they're these two egocentric characters who always think they're the smart, smartest person in the room um, and just won't can won't give way to the other and they will immediately butt heads because of that and I'm still I'm still gutted they didn't do the no no shit Sherlock joke I really wish they had done <laughs> that that would have been just subtle enough but still great. Um, and likewise, you know, Tony and Star-Lord, they're both kind of alpha males, saw themselves as leaders, and they subsequently busted heads in that way as well. So, I think they need to be developed beforehand, and like I think Johnny mentioned about if it feels forced, if the, kind of, if the interactions feel forced, which they probably, which they did a little bit in Justice League, but that's because some of the characters hadn't been developed ahead of time, and they had to kind of force characterization or decide while they were filming is that like, oh, we want this character to 
butt heads with this character, even though we don't the, the viewers wouldn't necessarily know or think that was going to happen beforehand. They just had to force that to create some tension or some drama. Um, so I think just it's like I think plot is almost secondary for a team up film because it's I think what the viewers really want to see is their favourite characters interacting with other characters and if the groundwork hasn't been laid beforehand with the characterization, then it will fall apart so yeah they need to be developed ahead of time that's my thoughts on that if you think about it logically if you've got a film with lots of different characters in you really don't have time to build a character you don't mm. have time for characterization so really you need that to have all been done before so you you almost it's almost like a plug and go you almost need plug and play you need you need to have that characterization effectively already done. You can have bits of characterization in a team up film, but you can't, and some develop plot and character development, but you can't really have like a full characterization because there's just not enough time for it. So the, the only way to do any sort of meaningful characterization in a team up film is to basically have like an epically long film, which is, yeah, which I'm not going to reference what I yeah. mean by that, but yeah. Well, that, that was actually <laughs> one of my next points in terms of what you just said about the length. Of, I wonder if we think. I mean, it's pretty much based purely on the Justice League, really, in comparison to other films. Whether having a longer movie in team-up films, specifically, and giving giving you more time to kind of build up each character at the start, or at least the connections between them, is is more effective or less effective, or doesn't really matter. Do you have any thoughts on any of that? Well, yeah, I'm slightly biased on this. I, I think that if I was going to reduce the whole Justice League thing to one thing is that the main reason that the Get Ready to Drink, Christian, the Snyder Cut is better than the, the Whedon original is because it has characterization. It sets up the characters. It explains Cyborg and Flash's backstory and a bit more of Aquaman's story. And so you actually get to feel of these characters as three-dimensional people and not as just 2D things or they're not just, you know something about them. They're not just thrown into this thing. So I think in that sense, I'm happy to have a longer film if there's more characterization. I think you cannot you cannot introduce new characters in a two-hour film, in a team-up film. It, 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 it's just impossible. So if you're going to have a team-up film and introduce new characters and have sufficient characterization, then it's not going to be anything under three hours. Okay. So my, my, my opposite point to that is what about um, Scarlet Witch and the Quicksilver in Ultron? I know they're not necessarily classed as heroes at the start of that film, but I would say you still get quite a good impression of who they are and they are completely new characters to the MCU at that point. But then you yeah, don't I necessarily get too invested in them in Age of Ultron. They have their time to be fleshed out in the subsequent films, they pop their the villain. They're part of the villains um, during Age of Ultron, and then they uh, turn about at the very end. And then after that, it's the subsequent films that we see them in that we really get to know more about them. All we know about them up until that point is that they've been experimented upon using the um, which stone was it? The one in the scepter, wasn't it? So they yeah they didn't. I don't think yet necessarily had much to care for for those characters during Age of Ultron it was afterwards that they got developed and then we started caring for them in my okay. opinion 
Yeah, no, I get yeah, that. I agree with that. I, I, I'd agree with that because when I saw it, when I remember seeing Age of Ultron in the cinema, I wasn't even expecting after, I wouldn't really go out expecting Scarlet Witch to then to be a major player going forward. I thought, and it was very, and in some ways it's good writing because it was very much part of the plot. It wasn't, it wasn't so much that, you know, it wasn't that, oh my, we need characterization because she's part of the team. It was more, it's part of the plot. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What was your thoughts about those characters? I think it's interesting that they, as I say, they don't necessarily fall into a, a kind of a, a traditional role in that film, um, in that they're kind of not directly the heroes. They're not directly the the big bad villain. Um, they're, they're pawns. Yeah. They're minions, but they're, they're obviously... I'd say they're still kind of more than that, aren't they? Because I'd say like minions are like a... I don't know, like the Shatari or any of Ultron's kind of direct minions. Um, so, as you say, Johnny, it's kind of quite interesting writing in that I can't really think of a comparative um, character in another film where that where they take place. So that's why I just think it's in, it, that's an interesting example of how a team-up film can introduce new characters and show them in an interesting way that I, I don't know if you'd necessarily get that in a film... On their in their own right immediately, but also that's the second Avengers film. Yeah. So you have so you have the rest of it all all done by that point, like in terms of the characterization of the main team. So you can, in some ways, add something that is part of plot. It's not like a rushed thing because it's part of the main plot. Yeah, for sure. And so it doesn't detract from anything else. Whereas, say Justice League, when you're introducing three new characters who have had no backstory in a film in in a film and it and there's no real way to fit them in as part of a plot then it's it's a far bigger issue i think and do we think then basically that that issue is maybe made worse by the fact that they are directly heroes in justice league they're being introduced as do you think that's do you think that kind of which side they're on makes a difference i, I think it makes a slight difference in the sense that i think generally if you, a hero has to have a slightly more characterization, I think the audience. You want to like the heroes. If you yeah. like, if you bring a villain in, you don't. You want the viewers to not like them, so you're not. You want yeah. to make them interesting and a good villain, but you're not actively trying to make the viewer like them, where you, which you would be doing with a hero, and that's but, trickier to do. Yeah, and and like I say, it comes down to plot as well, in the sense that if, for example, with Wonder Vision, Ned. She sort of fit in, fitted in naturally with the plot there. Whereas I don't really see how you could introduce Aquaman, Flash and Cyborg as part of a, a villainous plot, if that makes sense, without really sort of pissing yeah. on everything, <laughs> every sort of comic literature ever. So, you know, I, I think we can all accept that the right thing to do would have been to introduce all of these characters in solo movies and then... You know, or at least most of these characters in solo movies. Yeah, it'd be Absolutely. interesting to see how the DCU EU would be looking had they gone the way of Marvel and done it slowly, done it film by film, and built up to a Justice League film without before actually um, doing it prematurely. Had they had time to develop, would it have been more of a success? Mm. I think that's a big point, and that's actually one of the other notes I've got written down here is that. One of the reasons they did rush it was because of Avengers. 
because because of the financial success that the Avengers movies were making, Warner Brothers were terrified of being left behind. And that's why effectively they rushed it. And in the, doing so, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. The original plan, I believe, was to have a slower pace and to do it. But because of the way the Avengers movies were going, it was, oh no, we need a team-up movie. That, what I, year was it? Was twenty? It was twenty seventeen, wasn't it? Justice League came out. Yeah, so that was I, I, two years origin- after Age of Ultron. Originally, Batman v Superman wasn't even meant to be a film. It was meant to be a solo Batman film and a sequel to Superman. Um, and again, it was all about money. It was effectively, oh, we can't, you know, if we got two characters for the price of one. And actually, again, this goes back to the whole thing about team up movies and even team ups in comics and everything is that. Really and truly, the whole idea of a team-up really comes down to money. Because if you're a comic publisher back in the 60s and 70s, you've got all these great characters. Well, what's what's a way of making more money on these characters? So let's have them all together. Um, because if someone likes Batman, they're going to read Justice League because Batman's in it. If they're going to read... Someone loves Captain America, they're going to read Avengers because Captain America's in it. And that might make them buy Spider-Man later down the line. So it's a huge money-making thing. And that stems in... You know, that's carried on and, and stems through to the films and games and whatever else. So if you're a, you know... So I can sort of understand why Warner Brothers were terrified about what was happening and wanted to rush it, though they clearly didn't didn't think through the consequences. Yeah, for sure. But on, on that point, I wonder why why it matters to us as, as people that understand and know who these characters are and I know that we don't know the kind of direct characterization that they're being portrayed in that film why does it matter that we we weren't introduced Aquaman Flash before do you know what I mean like these, these are characters that we're very familiar with and, and they don't they didn't do anything in the film that we were like completely new or, or revolutionary that we, we have, weren't expecting so I wonder why we why that matters well, they rely like a hell of a lot on non-comic viewers, comic readers, and to those people, those characters aren't familiar. Mm. So, and even if they are, these are new interpretations of those characters. They're not. I mean, I never seen a Jason Momoa um, Aquaman before, and uh, he was typically the um, the run to the litter. He was the um, the one everyone took the piss out of. Now suddenly he's this macho plus apex man that all the women seem to fancy and so that's a completely different interpretation of that character any women in particular Christian? hmm I could name you five off the top of my head five go on then (laughs) they won't thank me for this no you don't have to don't want Christian Mother Teresa can sleep happy in the grave (laughs) There's several people at work. I can just basically all the women I work with, and they'll probably oh it fit the bill. Well, if they listen to this, they're gonna they're gonna know who they are. Hey Joe. But hey, also, Joe. Oh, hey Joe. Also, um, even if you really know a character, in many some ways it becomes more important to you because you want to see a faithful characterization that reflects your love of the character. You want to see that the people making the film love Flash just as much as you love Flash. You won't want to see a two-dimensional Flash. You want to see the Flash that you grew up reading or whatever. You don't... 
and and I think that's that's a key part of it. You don't want to see a sort of slapdash characterization of someone that you really like, because as a fan, you know the difference. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I just thought it was interesting that I think we we we're kind of talking about in, in a very broad way in terms of the way that Justice League, as an example, has been accepted into the media in terms of it, it, it not having the best reception. But yet we are still we we are comic book and nerdy people who who know these characters um and so that's why i was just intrigued as to why it's that important to us one thing i will say this might be a cheap cheap anti-weedon point oh. but you're saying that the characters didn't do anything that we didn't expect the new characters didn't but making batman tell loads of weird jokes was really weird absolutely but i but i mean that if the argument is that they should have been introduced beforehand and yes, the the issue there is that he he was he changed character potentially from what we know yeah. and maybe from the, even the films when he was introduced beforehand. Um, but yeah, well, and that was purely that was purely because of Joss Whedon because you can tell in the in the you know they all reshot those scenes where he makes those jokes. Yeah, no, they're quite. But he was great. working from someone else's piece of work. He was trying to turn it to something different, and obviously, it's not a seamless process, but. I mean, he, you know, up until recently, he was Joss Whedon's regarded very highly, from as far as I'm concerned, in kind of the geek geek world, having created some of the, like, the most beloved series um, ever. I think with Buffy and Firefly. And I think that's. I think Joss Whedon does have a great um, feel for like characterization and dialogue and creating. Um, a good dynamic between the characters he's working with and mm-hmm. it's, it was tricky with Justice League because he was working with someone else's characters effectively but let's not forget he he uh, he wrote and directed the first Avengers film and that was a huge success and that dynamic between those characters has became the kind of foundation and the template for much of the dynamic that came afterwards in the other Marvel films and had that not been a success I don't know whether the Marvel film, the MCU, would have been the success, the, the huge success that it is now. So he does see. Had he, had it been his own film from the very beginning, perhaps it would have been better. But he was working with someone else's film. And but, his, but, but even so, that even so, no, surely no vision of Justice League can have Batman telling jokes. Surely that suggests not understanding. Who that's the, is. He, he does that thing. Any other any other character. Could have, t- could have told a joke and been mm-hmm. that would been fine because it can be part of their character, but but that's n- telling jokes like that has never been part of Batman's character in any true, true. And that, it's that just really what maybe just what he's used to, and I don't know how much of a comic book nerd he is, but it's it always seems to be Joss in these situations because um, he actually he wrote the story for just a bit of trivia for the fourth Alien film, Alien Resurrection. Um, yeah, it was directed by what's his name, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, I think it was, quite a serious French director. And those two, his writing combined with a direction was trying to make it darker. And you have this kind of odd um, combination of like Firefly or almost like Avenger-style joking around with the characters, set in a very dark um, atmosphere. It's almost a bit like Justice League, I suppose, in hindsight. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's just his, just his. It's weird. It's, it was like we were talking about a lot in um, the last episode about um, Solo and how they brought in John, uh, Ron Howard after they had Chris Miller and Phil Lord doing that, and that, that created that disconnect between a darker tone and what was previously pro- probably a lighter tone. It's weird how the they always okay. We've got we've this director's. Um, well, they fired a director, or the director's had um, <clears throat> a, uh, has left because of um, that personal crisis, as was the case with Zack Snyder. Um, and then they bring in like a completely different director, to, like with a completely different tone, and it just seems that's a very odd choice. Surely you'd try and bring someone in with a similar kind of mm. aesthetic to them, so that they can kind of any any differences won't be too obvious there won't be this massive disconnect between two different tones vying for attention so it's it's it, weirdly enough it's always Joss Whedon who seems to be in the uh, in the middle of these mm-hmm. but it just seems quite odd that they bring in these very very different directors at the last minute to change the direction of a previous director which was completely different so yeah I guess with Whedon is the sort of subtext of the allegations against him of bullying and sexual harassment and stuff and the, yeah, there are some certainly some of the reshot stuff scenes in Justly. There are some weird, yeah. weird camera work. Let's just say. I was going to say, regards like, to the regards to the allegations, some of the some of the reshoots were weird choices. Close up, close ups necessary. of Wonder Woman's bum. Close yeah. ups of Wonder Woman's bum for no reason yeah. at all. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So we, I reckon, we, so far on average we've been quite harsh generally on on these films i know christian kind of touched on a, a slightly positive point earlier but let's try and let's try and think of what what because we we do enjoy these films like don't don't kid ourselves we do enjoy them so so what kind of we have to name like, like the one positive that we get from watching these films just as a just when we go and we relax and we enjoy these films what what is it that, about them that we enjoy it's seeing the characters you love in in a sort of exciting high-paced environment and it's sort of i don't want to sound like i'm a sort of michael bay for fan but it sounds sort of like all action and high stakes and again so many of the characters you love and as a christian reference earlier seeing them interact with each other for me the best team-up film that comes to mind in the way that we're talking about it is infinity war and because what i love about that is is that it's very quick. It's very fast-paced. You get to see all the characters you love, and you get to see characters in um, together that you've not seen before, and you've always wanted to see, as, as Christian was sort of referencing earlier. And I think, for me, that Infinity War is everything that a team-up movie should be. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I actually saw Infinity War before I saw any other. When well, no, I'd, I'd seen other MCU films, but um, not not really kind of following along with the with a timeline well, I went to see Infinity War and obviously I knew the characters well just from the comics um, and I absolutely loved it I had no idea that it was going to be the ending it was um, I didn't <laughs> know there was a second part spoilers but, well it was um, yeah I was just getting towards the end and thinking at some point something's going to happen or something's going to turn around because this is not going in the right direction it's very very it was, strange yeah it was great fun watching that I'd already seen it and went to see it with some new people who hadn't watched it yet mm. and when it got to the end they turned around to me and said is that it? <laughs> Yeah, yep. no more that's the MCU done now imagine um, imagine if they just fixed it all in the post credit scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it all swirls yeah um, and I'm also going to 
I'm, it I'm was gonna, all a dream. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge something. While we talk about Infinity War, I'm gonna challenge something that Christian said last week, and see whether what what Johnny can uh, Johnny can make of it. So, Christian last week in the episode said that Boba Fett's outfit was one of the one of the best. I might be misquoting slightly. One of the best armors or outfits in in pop culture. And I'm gonna I'm the gonna, best. The best. I'm gonna challenge that. I'm gonna put my my best shot up which is spider-man's stark outfit in infinity war and i'm gonna i'm gonna see johnny you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be our our judge and work out what's uh who wins in that contest yeah i i'm afraid christian i will go for the stark text by the suit yeah. about their cgi fest lovely iron spider it's a great outfit i'm not gonna lie that's why one of my favorite ones to use in the spider-man game that was great <laughs> yeah that <laughs> no, is pretty cool in that game it is it is Sick, I'm not gonna lie that. But CGI can't be uh, a that is true. Bit of I mean, yeah. practical effects. Yeah, true. No, it, it was a close one. I just I, I had that ringing in my ears from last week and thought, oh, <laughs> I need to need to make sure I challenge it with something. So yeah, obviously it's not the best um, bow film, but it is one of the most iconic. Can't yeah. deny that. It's pretty cool. clearly it's not. It's clearly it's not Batman's armor to fight Superman in, in it, is it? I mean, that's the best. Clearly. <laughs> he looks like a house walking on. Pretty much. <laughs> He's got so much on him. Yeah, that's awesome. I see, um, just Infinity, like you say, Infinity War, quite possibly my favourite MCU film overall. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was such a good, from beginning to end, such a great adventure. All the character um, interactions were just superbly done. Um, who are the directors again? The um, Russo Brothers. Russo Brothers. Just, Brothers. Just had such a have even they done the Civil War and then and Winter Soldier, and then to come, I suppose they've already done a little bit in Civil War, but to have then to work with all these characters and they clearly had a great sense, a great idea of all these characters and what where they were coming from and what dynamic they would have because it was just it's just superb. It really is just yeah. How you can balance all those characters and just make it work. It's just yeah. How, how they insane. how they managed to weave that many storylines in together, like. Mm-hmm. I know they. I know they kind of they join up quite quickly, but it's absolutely insane. How, um, yeah, and make it hilarious because being like you know, Thor meeting up with Star Lord, just yeah. brilliant. Dot Strange and um, Tony, as I said, just brilliant. Just all, and at the same time, talking a little bit earlier about villains, we hadn't seen a whole lot of Thanos before then. We've seen bits and bobs in Guardians of the Galaxy and a few end credit scenes, but somehow, while also balancing all these heroes. They managed to make a really interesting and almost sympathetic and understandable villain, and arguably, well, arguably the best in the MCU as well. I, I would even argue against that because, in many ways, from a filmmaking perspective, Thanos is the protagonist of mm. of Infinity, Infinity yep. War. True. Yeah. Effectively, yeah. the Avengers are the villains from a sort of filmmaking perspective. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's his story, isn't it? Yeah. He's yeah. the the one connecting. He's definitely driving through. Yeah, so that's interesting, Christian. You've given me the leap board onto another point I had, which was definitely I was definitely thinking of Thanos and Infinity War when I when I thought of this. And I wondered how important the choice of villain um, or the challenge those heroes have to face is to whether a, whether a team up film is a success or a failure or a, or a difficulty. Um, because Thanos is. Is, is yeah, as you say, he's an amazing villain, and um, and he's also, I suppose, just got that power that can unite or requires enough enough heroes to actually overcome him. But then when you get to Endgame, I I I I really didn't like Endgame 
at all and obviously it's still Thanos and it's still the same kind of issue they're dealing with um, so yes I'll open that up as to you what, still not what like you it think. you don't like Endgame I, I really didn't like Endgame at all I, th- I think I think a lot of it had to do with the um, the kind of the tone of it I, I felt like where Infinity War got the balance perfectly between humour and still having a story that kind of you felt invested in and got serious and got emotional about in Endgame I just I don't think that balance was there it was like too many jokes too many things like Professor Hulk I don't know, just just lots of things. Like there were obviously there were funny things there. Like Fat Thor was funny, but I I felt they just didn't quite they didn't quite know when to flip from that funny bit to oh yeah okay well now we actually need to make this kind of serious. And it suddenly then comes tumbling down that scene where they have at the um, the Avengers headquarters where Thanos turns up and it's literally like they're getting like raided basically. Um, it it's too quick that's like the point when things get serious it's like one point and bang we're now we're now being serious okay let's yeah um so that that's what goes wrong for me anyway sorry you two have a well three points now one on that is that infinity war is a very tight film very tightly done it's almost see what almost watches like it's been sort of written and and rewritten and draw edited like loads and loads of times Whereas Endgame feels a very open, like it's not tight at all. It's not nearly tight enough. And, yeah. And I think there's several reasons why and, and what lo- you lose from that. I just also feel like it doesn't really feel like a film to me. It often feels like a sort of three-hour-long post credit scene. Um, yeah. Because you've just got loads of sort of bits and lots of... It's, it almost feels like too much fan service. And well, that's what it was. Actual, it was kind yeah, of yeah, actual absolutely. plot. Not enough actual plot and actual sort of doing, and, and like and we go, and what we said about Infinity War about Thanos being the protagonist and everything else going around him. Endgame, you don't have that, and it's almost everything sort of floating, and a, um, a bit floating like Iron Man at the beginning. It literally <laughs> is just like the whole film. I thought was kind of floating. There are good bits, but they're just bits, and it's not. There's nothing to grab onto in the middle, and there's just too much sort of fan service for that, and which kind of leads on to Andrew's point, which is two things is that villains are important, but also, even in every team-up film, usually, there is one character that it hinges on. Yeah. That's the sort of base of the film. Or, the, or that is personal for. Yeah, or the, like, the, the heart, yeah. of, the heart yeah. of the film. Yeah. And, again, this kind of goes to another Justice League point, is that the, the theatrical version of Justice League didn't really have that. And I guess the closest you could have to that was Superman, and he spends most of the film being dead, um, and in Not the even a spoiler, <laughs> and in the there you go, Christian Snyder cut, um, he is. This is gonna be my last reference. My entrance. He is dead even oh, longer as percentage, percentage <laughs> of the film, and but the heart of the film is Cyborg, and that works a hell of a lot better. Um, and I think so. I think that's quite important for a team up film is having a heart to it, having a character that has a real arc to the film. It doesn't have to be about them. The film isn't about them, but they have to have the clearest arc of any character, I guess, and it has to hinge on them. And I think the villain is also important in that because I think what Infinity War does is it has a great captive villain in in Thanos who's really engaging. And if you look at the weaker team-up films it's usually had a very nondescript villain 
who's either a CGI, completely sort of CGI villain that could be anybody. Um, and, or it's just, there's just not enough sort of characterization to that villain. Hashtag Steppenwolf. Um, in the theatrical ultra. Cut, Hashtag ultra. It, yeah. In, in the, in the theatrical cut of, of Justice League, Steppenwolf is effective. There's just no point to him. And there's no thing. And actually, that's another thing that really improves. Um, in in the director's cut, so yeah. I think you really think you need to uh, you need to watch Mauler's uh, dissemination of Snyder cut, and I really want to see what you think of that. It's uh, there's this yeah, there's this YouTuber I follow, Mauler, who does these critiques of various films. He's doing a glorious one of that sequel trilogy at the moment. It's just ah, brilliant. Um, I was just thinking about one of the quote, one of the points he makes in um, one of the Star Wars videos related to what we mentioned about before about characters being developed before they're put into these situations with other characters is that in that instance there's um, Rey who's such an undeveloped character and this I think the word he uses she's more of a sentient prop than a character and if and like we were saying before you can imagine like all these heroes Tony Dot Strange um, Star-Lord all these people you put them together and you can imagine beforehand because they're so well developed what how they're going to react to each other what they're going to be like in any given situation their responses to each other whereas someone like ray or any other character that isn't terribly well developed you can't really think you can't really decide how they will react um in um in a team-up film or a team-up episode of a, of a tv series for example um in the case of Ray, just know that she'll be a nice person. She'll be quite friendly, but beyond that, you don't know in a, any given situation what she's going to do, how she's going to react. And it's yeah, it's just back to what we were saying before: how all these characters need to be developed before they're plugged into a, um, a team-up movie. Because if they if they aren't, it just it does fall apart. As and I think Justice League and Avengers are the prime examples of that. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think I think that's the kind of the main point we're getting at from today, isn't it? It's quite clear that, from our point of view, that a lot of the work basically goes in before the film, mm-hmm. and and because they're meant said, to be they're meant to be f- I don't they're meant to be a bit of fun, and it's meant to be, if the story's good enough, as it is in say Avengers Assemble, if the if the groundwork's been done, it almost the story almost writes itself. You just expands from the character interactions and I think with something like the Age of Ultron um, they were too worried, they were too busy trying to set up different future films than they were, they weren't really focusing on the story, they weren't focusing on the characters they were too busy making references to future films um, and spin-offs and whatever else and that's why I would why Age of Ultron isn't looked upon quite as favourably as the other ones yeah, and, it, and as you say about Endgame, it's it's Endgame is. I think the Russo brothers said it's more of a thank you, or more of like a like you say fan service. It's more of a it's a thank you to the fans. Infinity War was almost the the bigger send like the more, more pinnacle end film to the MCU. Whereas yeah. Endgame was just kind of like tying everything off. It was the end of Tony's um, story arc and just just tying everything off quite nicely in order to feed it onto the future of the MCU, whatever that may be. Yep. 
I think I think the thing for me that links Ultron and Endgame, going back to the villain thing, is that in both instances the villain is too powerful. In that I don't think I don't think the way they stop Ultron kind of necessarily makes is a bit like a bit tenuous, and I think that the way they stop Thanos again, it's like. I don't know. It, it doesn't really make sense, which is why Infinity War works so well because it's clear that oh shit, we can't stop him, and so he he's he's successful, um, and so I wonder whether more team up films would be more successful. I mean, obviously, it would require like multiple kind of episodes, as it were, for it to work. More team up films would be more successful if the heroes don't always win. I know it's, it's, it, we're now going to but kind of. You're, you're trying very to set strange. me up again. You're also trying to set me up again because of the. I mean, that's all nightmare. tonight is. Because Christian's still got night- half a big to go through, so. Because of the um, nightmare. I'm doing all right. The, yeah. Because of the nightmare thing. That was one of the bits I was thinking of. So, yeah, so that was a very clear view that Dark Side won um, in the future. Um, yeah, I think that's better. Cause I, think, I think generally what what happens is you this idea of and it happens in comics all the time where a better villain is a stronger villain which i completely disagree with you look at uh, most people agree that the that like topping every poll of everyone's favorite comic book villain is almost always joker right yeah and the joker has no superpowers he's effectively a guy he's just a guy and yeah he's completely clinically insane and whatever but he's not the strongest person in the room you know what i mean he Bane could beat him with one hand. Yeah. And yet Bam he's everyone. Yeah, and yet let's not get into that one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, he's and yeah, he's everyone's favourite villain generally. So a powerful villain doesn't necessarily make a good villain. And I think what you get is, and you get this a lot in comics, probably even more in comics than films, that a best better villain is a is a stronger one. And then it gets to a point where then to then justify beating them, you have to then either evoke some weird science which doesn't really make sense or just Time completely travel. throw or, or just do something that's a bit cheap and throw everything else out of the window so I think rather than just have a better written villain, it doesn't have to be that strong no one's going to go, oh god this is terrible because the villain couldn't kill everyone with his like mind Yeah, you know well, like Loki. Ca- Loki isn't particularly yeah. incredible, is he? I know he's got the Shatari behind him but he's not he, he's shown the, multiple points out the film where he is not strong enough to even like overcome one yeah. of the. I think a lot of that's down to Tom Hiddleston's just amazing charisma on screen as yeah, Loki, for sure. But we, I, I mentioned Joker. Look at the Dark Knight, for example. I know that's not a team-up film, but how much, how captivating a villain he is, and he's not threatening to like destroy the whole planet. No, I don't see. You don't necessarily need that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's trying to nail nail down what it is that makes a certain character fascinating to watch. Yeah, I know. I suppose it, they in in that instance, he Joker works so well because he is able to he's able to be a very specific villain to Batman's strengths or Batman's weaknesses. I suppose. Yeah. So maybe yeah. maybe the issues with Ultron and Thanos or. In, at least Endgame Thanos is that they just the, the the thing that they're doing isn't isn't specific to the weakness of the heroes that they are fighting against mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a but that, but that said Ultron is 
because Tony created Ultron, it's very much tied to him, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, um, but it, but it doesn't necessarily have that. But it just has. But for me, it, it, rather than being all powerful, it can just be they're doing something incredibly clever. Rather than all powerful, it could just be a guy, but he's doing something really clever. Look at Zemo; he's just a bloke. Yeah, but then he comes along and yeah, gets the Winter Soldier reactivated, and well, often is the um the smart. A lot of times, the smart villains who end up being the fan favourites. The ones who are interesting and you can see the cogs working behind the eyes. I know I'm biased because I'm starting to go bald, but Lex Luthor is just a bald, <laughs> just a bald guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just the difference between Than- Thanos, it was, like a, it was like an earlier version of Thanos, wasn't it, in his, in his story arc in Endgame? Because Thanos from Infinity War um, disappears, shall we say. Um, in the end of spoiler, Endgame. Christian. Spoiler. <laughs> this whole thing's a bloody spoiler. Then he can. Then the Thanos from a few years back, when he was less weary and just so much more driven to find the Infinity Stones. That's the one that gets pulled forward, and that's and how um, the one in Infinity War. He's effectively beaten by a combination of Tony, Spider-Man, and the Guardians. Um, and then in Endgame he can hold his own against the combined might of Thor, Cap and Tony all at once which is yeah. a hell of a feat yeah and yeah it's, like, it's, this, it's the weaker version of Thanos that was the one people gravitated more towards but because he had more of a story in Infinity War than he did in Endgame and I think, I think it comes back to one question do we like Thanos because he's all pa- like really powerful, or do we like Thanos because he's a well-written character with like motives that are understandable? Yeah. That's another problem with villains. Often is that their motives are often reduced to he's evil, which isn't really a motive, is it? Yeah. Like. True. Yeah. No, I I, do, I agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's say, what would you say about? Nah, actually, no, I'll say that for another episode. We'll talk about villains. Have a villains episode. I was just going to mention, because we were going down the uh, the line of talking about villains, but I think that's not the topic of today's conversation. We should say well, that. What was the question, though? What was the question? I was just going to mention about uh, what makes Darth Vader such an iconic villain. But again, from those, from because, those early films. Because, the, because there's a mythos and mystery to him in the early films. In the in the original trilogy, there's a such such a myth like mysteriousness mm-hmm. you want to know who he is although he wasn't he's, I suppose you imagine just how powerful he is but this is before the days of that end scene in Rogue One where you just see just how powerful mm. he is you just see him throttle a few people using the force but beyond that you don't necessarily know how um, I almost think that, make, that makes him more more scary because you just get to see what everyone else's fear of him is rather than actually seeing what he can do. See, um, so yeah, is, true. So it's, to me, that kind of, that is more scary. Isn't that the Blofeld effect? That you effectively make a villain more captivating and mysterious because you never see them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, in the original James... There's actually a whole, I think a whole article I read about how James Bond ruined Blofeld by actually showing him eventually. <laughs> we fear the unknown more than you fear what yeah. is known. Because it could be anyone stroking that cap. Mm. 
true. And you can veer off into the whole horror, horror tropes of, you know, the alien and various monsters, mm. you know. More, the uh, less you see of them, the more scary they are. I think we did talk about this last week, and that's the thing, like, again, that's another horror film, like, sort of trope, isn't it? That the, the bad horror films introduce the villain too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see far too much of them. Mm. Yep, true. And um, slightly tenuous link into that, but linking on to something else I want to talk about, um, which is going to potentially either throw Johnny into a fit of rage or a fit of happiness <laughs> about talking about it. But um, we've... In fact, no, Christian hasn't, but we've... Uh, Johnny and I have I been playing... I know what playing, it is, I know what it is. Yeah, here we go. Johnny and I have been playing the Avengers video game over the last <laughs> year or so. And one of the things I find really interesting in that is that the... the suppose the main character at the start, at least the one that you get introduced to first, is a very unknown pretty unknown character by most people's standards in uh, Ms. Marvel. And um, so we can definitely talk about the actual game itself, but I wonder if we have any thoughts on why these team-up films aren't sometimes used to show off lesser-known characters, even if they are, I don't know, if you had, for example, Miss Marvel could have been had her own film and then be brought into one of the main Avengers films. And I'm sure that will happen down the line. But I wonder why, at least up till now, the majority of the films we've been talking about have all really only focused on, say, the main Avengers, the main Justice League characters. You've got Guardians thrown in there sometimes, but that we're pretty much only seeing like the, the mainstream characters everyone knows. And I wonder why we think... Do we have any thoughts on why less-known characters aren't propelled into that into that um, sphere sometimes? Well, first of all, Miss Marvel is getting her own TV show, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, but on on that, I think it comes down really to money and sort of branding, in the yeah. sense that which is shame, isn't it? Yeah, I always and it shouldn't. And I think it would be a good way to pro- propel some of these lesser-known characters, but I think a lot of it comes to down to recognition, and you can't... Yeah, particularly, particularly in the sort of foreign markets as well. Um, but the, the game... The, the point about the game, it, the actual... The plot sort of hinging on Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan's arc is really good. Really, yeah. really good. And I really... That, that's probably my favourite part of the game, actually. Yeah. And she is basically is the glue... Mm. that binds everyone together isn't she like i mean she she goes out and finds them all all the avengers yeah. but she really is as well as it works really well in yeah that sense. As, as well as finding them she is just the the kind of the if, if it wasn't for her it wouldn't it would just happen she's yeah. the heart of the story absolutely um so yeah i'd agree with that and then you thoughts say, um the, sorry i was going to say about as a i don't know you might feel differently about this being you're the um the comic book nerds but if you were to say 20 years ago that back in the days of like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films and um, when X-Men and you know, those I think for the average um, the average Joe that those are the characters who were well-known X-Men, Spider-Man mm. um, Superman, Batman um, but if you were to say to someone 20 years ago that Iron Man was going to kickstart the biggest cinematic event mm. in history I don't think anyone would have probably believed you because I knew of Iron Man. As we think of these characters now, that they they're really well known. But you know, before the MCU kicked off, I would argue that some of them weren't, and they just it's, it was purely down to just how well they were done that okay, they yeah. became well known. Well, before that film came out, 
the majority of Americans thought that Iron Man was a robot. Mm. That, that's, that is actually true. Um, and there's a lot of stuff about how it being, was a real big risk for that to be the first MCU yeah. film. Well, it's because they didn't have that's those are the ones they didn't have they had they had the rights to they didn't have the rights yeah. to Spider Man to X Men the big ones they had they had to use the characters they had the rights to. But also, I think they saw I think another reason that they went with Iron Man first was because I think they thought that in some ways it was the most accessible. Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't have superpowers. I think we were speaking um, about this weren't we recently about how yeah how accessible Iron Man was. He's more grounded. Yeah. His yeah, you yeah. know, rich man in an iron suit. As grounded Basically as that Batman. can possibly be, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. He's a slightly brighter version of Batman, pretty much, with a yeah. with a word, older liver. <laughs> I think that's an interesting point, but I still think, I still think the Avengers we've got now are still, still they're still the kind of Avengers that we'd see in the mainstream Avengers comics. Yeah, um, true. So I still think there is room for but even to just talk about the average person. Not you, comic book people. Oh I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but 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 the average person. I mean, even like comic book people hadn't. Not even people heard of Guardians of the Galaxy, and look how well they they yeah, got slingshotted. Yeah. Straight that was a risk, into, wasn't it? And that did well. Yeah, absolutely. And they, and they and they didn't know it. Think it was going to do well. Like, no. They were mm. preparing for it to real really flop. Mm. So um, so I I just wonder why there aren't more of that those kind of inclusions um. And things and maybe there will I, be as we get into the kind of past past post endgame um mcu that will happen and um hopefully in dc somewhat as well but i feel like dc have got so much catching up to do that we're probably not going to yeah, yeah. have that for some time but hopefully in the mcu we'll see a bit more of that kind of thing going on i think i think it will happen different way though i think i think Mar- marvel are now in a situation where they've got the confidence that they can do it and then in the next phase they are introducing lesser known characters and you will see them taking more risks. Um, if you look at the TV shows, the way they did One Division was quite a risk. So you, you can see that they're starting to take more risks. Yeah, I think with DC, you're not going to see team up movies like that. But they're certainly very open with what they're greenlighting at the moment. They've just greenlit an Hour Man film, and very few people know who Hour Man is. So, and actually, to be honest, Shazam was quite Shazam. Yeah, I was about to say Shazam. It was yeah. a relatively left field. Yep. Particularly as Shazam's only recently been called Shazam. Yeah. You know, Shazam has been called Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel more than Captain Marvel has been called Captain yeah. Marvel. So, um, you know, so so I think I think DC w- w- DC's idea at the moment is just to have lots of solo films and see where they go. But within that, they're being quite sort of um, bold in their choices there. Um, so there is room for sort of team up there later in the line. Yeah. I also wonder in the MCU whether having the, the introduction of the TV shows that like he talks about might have might allow for more characters to get kind of used in occasionally because you kind of know you could you could show off a character in a in a TV show a lot easier I'd imagine than you could in a in a kind of blockbuster movie and then having had that introduction you can then give them the proper kind of time they deserve in a in a team-up film of some kind, so maybe that. Well, people are hoping for that with the, the um the Netflix Marvel series. Everyone keeps hoping to see a a Daredevil <laughs> or a Jessica Jones or a um, Luke Cage. Maybe not less so. Uh, was it Iron Fist? Or... Iron Fist, yeah. Mm. But everyone's the, still saying that they want to see a Daredevil. An MCU just pretend, uh, Feige just pretending that they never existed. Those TV <laughs> shows. Um, 
They waste yeah, I, David. I, they have David Tennant. They need to bring him. He needs to have a more prevalent role in the MCU. Such a but great I think actor. what 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 the MCU are doing, doing with these TV shows is very much about that. Like She Hulk, if you, if you what they'll probably think is, well, She Hulk's probably not big enough to have her own film, or not big enough, you know. But if we ever give her a TV show, it's more room for her to breathe, make her slightly more independent from Bruce Banner, and then if it's really successful, then she can appear in films. But then, if it's not successful, it's fine. We do we end the TV show and we all forget about her. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm just still astounded, Johnny, at how quiet you've been about the Avengers game since I brought it up. Oh, because we went because we went off topic. Oh, I'm sorry. But if you wanna, if you want me to talk about Avengers game, I can. I rewatched the um, Angry Joe review of that the other day. <laughs> oh, it's great, great watching that is. Like I, I guess in some ways my feelings on the Avengers game don't really really relate to what we're talking about because actually the plot I think is pretty good yeah so um, it's more about the game itself it's more the game mechanics and and what happens after the plot but I think I, th- I think yeah I think I think I, th- I think and also I think the game mechanics are slightly altered by the fact that it is a team up game if that makes sense um but I don't think there's a huge problem with it being team up in itself in terms of the plot or anything like that. It's more in the sort of game mechanics later. I've got uh, one more question. Oh. Quite an interesting one. Mm. Which I think we've kind, of, we've kind of somewhat covered it today. Um, in a, in, but it'd be interesting to know this is a kind of real ref- internal reflective process. We're going to be soul searching deep with this one. So is the problem, which happens a lot in pop culture and nerdy comic book things, is the problem with the audience and their own expectations yes and no okay because because a if even if the answer is yes then it's not uh, it doesn't change anything if that makes sense and as a filmmaker or a company you have to live with that that's part of it and you can't it's not an excuse you just have to work with it and 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 that and and yes i think in the sort of social media age and all that fan expectations unnaturally higher and you can't escape criticism as much as you probably could previously but and also with like fan theories and stuff like that we saw it in Vision how the fan theories get wild and they can't control them but again that's an example then there are ways to handle that and for example the MCU didn't really handle that very well because they started fueling some of those rumours and then when it anyone in particular well, like the Mephisto one and all that, you know. And when it ter- and when it turned out not to be true, then it kind of made them look a bit silly, I think. Yeah. So, so I think, I think to a certain extent, as fans, we do overeg stuff and we do build things up a bit too much, and we. That, but at the same time, but that's it. And and and, and in many ways, filmmakers and the companies don't complain about that when it means that they're making lots of money out of us. Yeah. So they can't then complain when we. Are upset or disappointed with something, so I, 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 you can't have it both ways. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <coughs> Lucasfilm. <laughs> what do you think, Christian? Um, I don't want to say too much on this because I think we've got on our list somewhere a whole, possibly a whole episode dedicated to this topic of about fan expectations and do they ruin media. But it's just going to steer it onto the topic of this episode about team ups. Is that it's a two way street, so. As I said before, people will have an idea of the characters before if they've watched the films or if they've read the comics, they'll have an idea. 
of what the characters like and maybe they've had previous experiences in the comics of them meeting other characters and they'll have expectations from that or if they've just watched the films they'll know the characters well enough to imagine scenarios and what will happen in those scenarios when they're put together um, but at the same time the filmmakers themselves the writers have to be up to the task of producing something realistic producing something that the fans are kind of expecting to see but at the same time surprising them it's it's a two-way it's a two-way street it's, it's yeah. there's fan expectations are obviously a big thing but the filmmakers themselves need to be up to the task of living up to those expectations if needs be um yeah effectively and just not and uh as something i will say repeatedly when we come on to the sequels of star wars i'm probably and Game of Thrones and whatever else we talk about is don't subvert expectations for the sake of it. Line of duty. <coughs> yep. Yeah. Line of duty as well. Just don't give if your fans if what the fans want is something. How can buckles be H? Spoilers. Redacted. Redacted. Sorry, H. 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 thing. Um. What was I going to say? Um, yeah, just so it's... If what the fans want is... Is, you know, the natural course, is what you would expect to see from those those all those characters combining into one um, feature, one scenario, then don't subvert expectations for the sake of it. Just, you know, write is... If you're a good dialogue writer, as some writers are, then just let the, you know, just let the characters, you know, write themselves almost, just... If they're developed enough, then they will write themselves, and you'll get a very good, dynamic, fun team-up film. Fun team-up film. So we've 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 again we've we've had a good a good general discussion about team-up films tonight. Um, but one, the final thing I'm going to ask you, just a one one quick point. If you could name your single favourite team-up film and why, what would it be, Johnny? I've already said it, Infinity War, because it's all my my favourite Marvel characters and it works really well. It's quick, it's like fast tempo, sorry, and I love I love me some Guardians, so yeah, that's good. We might be in agreement. What do you reckon, Christian? Yeah, Infinity War. It's just everything you could want from both a blockbuster film to go to the cinema to see and from as a fan's perspective it just got all the characters right got all the interactions just spot on it managed to create a compelling villain from almost from scratch it just got everything right and yeah I don't I can't think of a bad thing to say about Infinity War good yeah no I I totally agree also Infinity War it's interesting we've all got the same same thing but my uh, my one addition would be the uh, the amazing score and Silvestri I'm just going to add in music every week into this. So, <laughs> um, yeah, a really, really good score. And actually, I'd say that's my favourite part of Endgame is the, the music that Alan Sylvester writes. So, yeah. Johnny, what are you going to say? Can I ask another question? You can ask a question. Go for it. What team-up movie would you like to see that hasn't been? Oh, that's a, that's a better question. That's why you should be writing the questions, John. Oh, that we haven't seen. Well, I mean, I think mine. I think mine would be Justice League Dark, just because I love them as a team. And I think that'd be really cool. Though now I'm thinking about it, I would love sort of like a Bat Family film. But yeah, I, I was gonna say I was gonna say something on the uh, on the basis of like the Gotham Knights video game, 
yeah that that kind of setup um that looks really cool so i think that that as a film concept could be really really awesome um and again would be something that like hopefully the mainstream population would understand where where it's come from as in how we got to that point hopefully or if if, if we didn't then you could have a very quick explanation at the beginning and then it would be just basically completely new stuff that you didn't really know um so yeah i think i think that would be a really you'd cool probably film. you would probably need a need a red hood film before that i think and under the red hood film yeah i mean yeah but i feel like because of his backstory is so unique yeah okay but i suppose my, my point was maybe that it could be one of those films that is kind of goes against everything that we've said tonight in that obviously batman is the is the is the thing that we know and through through him you can find out about the other characters i think that could be quite interesting um but that's just again it kind of breaks everything we've said in <laughs> the last hour so um but yeah that, that that's one one thing i could see working so yeah what about you christian just to steer it away from comic books i would i need to see in my life a combination following on from the combination of simpsons and family guy i need a combination of simpsons family guy and futurama and south park team up film or feature length episodes so in my life in what in what style would it be i have no idea just <laughs> combination every just, just all the styles just going back to together. like squares and circles just oh, blocky shapes they were all in the uh, peter griffin in south park style would be amazing <laughs> I'm just imagining Peter Griffin and Cartman now, and it just works. <laughs> but in but slightly more seriously, um, possibly a, like a team up. I don't know what they're building up to in the Star Wars TV series, but yeah, potentially a more more team ups between characters like the Mandalorian and Ahsoka and any other new characters they um, bring out from those series. Maybe if that would be might have might have like a maybe they have a Marvel a Netflix Marvel thing in mind where they can have all these series and then they can have another series where they combine them all together for a, a bigger purpose. Maybe that'd be quite cool to see if it's done well as well. And Chris and Christian, you know that you really want a Qui Gon and Dooku prequel. Oh yes, yeah. I do. But they'd have to be played by. Well, we can't have them played by um. <laughs> Christopher Lee back. <laughs> no Christopher Lee and no what a puppet. Uh, fair, there's, if there's any guy that could be undead, it could be <laughs> Chris Christopher Lee. <laughs> but Liam Neeson's looking a bit bit um, bit frail these days as well. They can do wonderful things they used to do. with CGI. <laughs> they could just do like a Tarkin and Leia CGI thing for the entire thing, but with uh, Qui-Gon and well, things I loved Alec Guinness, and then they did superb in recasting Hugh McGregor. So they did a bloody good recast yeah. of a young version of Liam Neeson and Christopher Lee. You never know. Good, and good you liked work. Harrison Ford, and then you liked Solo. So Orton, Orton era, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I think the the idea of a TV sh- kind of something coming from a t- to the TV shows could be really cool in Star Wars, like um, a Crisis on Infinite Earths, but for Star Wars, <laughs> for Star Wars. and a lot better. Have either of you ever heard of the um, the Battle of Jakku? You know the one that like the the cause behind why Rey's in that massive star destroyer on Jakku. The, the uh, yeah, bits not not the whole story behind it. Yeah, so there's um, that was the final war, final battle of the uh, the Civil War. Yeah, so there's um, there's kind of quite a lot of like myths around that that event. So it could be quite cool if we had like something actually lead up into it. That could be quite cool, I think. Um, that would be kind of I suppose would have to be a team up kind of thing and it would be new characters we weren't aware of and we'd join up mm-hmm. to that 
Anyway, so yeah, so while we're on the topic of TV shows, that brings us very nicely into next week's topic. What is next week's topic, Johnny? I can't remember. You can't remember? Favourite live action TV show. Let me get Trello up. Well, that's what it is. Christian's already said it. I just said it. Just said it. Alright. Favourite live action TV shows? It has to be a nerdy TV show, though. Can't just be any live action TV show. Oh, I was going to bring in Friends, but well. Line of Duty. I'm not going to say that again, Christian. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. No, <laughs> so what whole about Hawaii, Johnny loves Rosa. Yeah, just the whole episode. What what, 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 what are we counting as the threshold for nerd then? Because obviously we can't just be comic books, because that's pretty much where we're going at the moment. <laughs> Sci-fi or fantasy or anything that's yeah cool. not real. I think, I, think, I think comic books, sci-fi, fantasy... Horror. Horror. Hmm. Anything from speculative fiction. So I think th- this mm. could be the week when you start to really see our our divergent interests, interests. in mm. in nerdy culture because that's going to be. I've I, already got I've already got a list. I, I'm I, working on. I can't even so imagine what Christian watches, and I can't imagine Christian. Can you not imagine what I watch? No, well, you're a weird guy, Christian. I, I don't know what you do in your own time is. Uh, Did you hear not, my not passion for South Park a second ago? So is South Park included in nerdy TV show? Then? That's not live action. action. <laughs> Maybe we can make a live action version. With mm. yeah, we will have an animated. <laughs> we will have an animated version yeah. uh, episode at some point. Just so that Johnny can talk about Batman anime series. Well, we've got lots yeah. of weeks ahead of us and lots of topics together. So yeah, I'm sure we shall. Great, good stuff. So yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to tonight's ramblings. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you. Uh, either agreed or disagreed with anything we've said if you do have anything that you agree or disagree with you can definitely uh, post on tweet us or message us on Facebook or yep. message us on Instagram the follow social us on social media. media our social media manager is doing his job there um, so yeah definitely <laughs> definitely give us some interactions if you have any thoughts or, or feelings good or bad about this uh, anything we've said in this podcast and we shall see you next week when we're going to be talking about live action nerdy TV shows thank you very much for listening and goodbye Stay dangerous. <laughs>